Here we go. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. And we're back. Welcome to Glove Fist. My name is Frank Letirzo, former fighter, part-time writer, full-time observer. Here on 4th of July weekend, joined by co-host Jack Hurst, former six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association of America. Jack, I'm still under the weather a little bit. I hope your back is strong. You carried me last week. You don't have to carry me as much this week, but maybe just a little bit. How are you? Can't hear Jack. I'm glad we lasted the full hour. The same way Jared Anderson was glad his fight with uh, Martin went the full distance. He was very happy. That's what he wanted to take place. He was very pleased. We will get to that. There's a plethora of boxing topics to talk about. I guess you opened the way with the Jared Anderson, Charles Martin fight. I watched the fight. I scored the fight. I have a lot of opinions on the fight. I haven't spoke to you since then. So why don't you start with what you saw and what you think? Yeah, I mean, mentioning with the scoring, seven rounds to three in favor of Anderson. If you gave it to him, eight rounds to two, no complaints at all. The knockdown round. I thought Martin was edging around out and he got knocked down. I'm not an automatic 10-8 guy. That's, Frank, what I hate about these boxing commentators. When a knockdown takes place, they say it's a 10-8 round. They, and, they, and they brainwash us into thinking a knockdown should be an automatic 10-8 round. It should only be 10-8 if that boxer's winning the round and then scores the knockdown. But if he's losing the round, it depends how heavy a knockdown it is. If it's a and that was knockdown, a flash knockdown and Martin was right. not hurt. So I, I had a 10-9, so I had... So basically, I had 97, 93 Anderson. If you had it, 98, 92 Anderson, even 98, 91, I can be okay with that as well. Uh, don't misunderstand me about Jared Anderson. I think he is going to definitely be a belt holder, definitely be a belt holder. And he might wind up being a legitimate world heavyweight champion, and he might be a very good one, okay? I'm, I'm not down on him but let's put our foot on the brakes as far as talking about him being the future of the heavyweight division it's not so much that he went the distance with charles martin i know people like to make the comparison of mike tyson and james quick tillis but this is different jared anderson was getting hit with heavy shots and he got hit a good number of times with heavy shots Mike Tyson didn't go through that with James uh, Quick Tillis. And also, Mike Tyson was a pro for only a little over a year when he fought Quick Tillis. Jared Anderson's been a pro three and a half years. The waiting period, Frank, to me is over. And, you know, let me give you a little stat. After the Tyson fight with Quick Tillis, Tyson fought eight times the rest of the year. Eight times, seven fights. Then he took on Trevor Burbick. Stop Burbick. He kept he upped his level of competition. It's not so much what Jared Anderson did against Charles Martin in this fight. It's what he's going to do going forward. And if he's only going to have maybe one fight the rest of the year, two fights against very soft opposition, I don't care how good he looks. That doesn't do it for me. All right, Jack. 
if again, there's a lot there. Number one, Jared Anderson, even though he's been a pro longer than Mike Tyson, he only had 14 fights coming in. And he hadn't really fought anybody, just like Tyson didn't fight anybody for his first 20 fights. I think even though it was short notice, I think that may be the, the most purposeful Charles Martin I had ever seen as far as his body looked good. You could tell he took the fight. He was training for a fight on the, on the Crawford undercard. He was in shape. He seems like he re, has rededicated himself to the sport. I thought that was a very good Charles Martin that showed up. I think what we saw in Jared Anderson is his lack of experience against the upper tier guys, which he got a ton of that night. And Jack, what I didn't like about him is he just throws punches. He all throw jabs, he'll throw right hands, hooks and uppercuts, but he doesn't box. Guys that fight on the street, throw punches, but they don't box. Jared Anderson, to me, has to learn how to box. His most effective punch that night when he figured it out was his left jab. What also disappointed me a little bit, Jack, was his vaunted power wasn't there. And I don't know. I think Martin's a brave guy. I don't think he has the greatest chin, but he was never really in trouble in that fight at all. In fact, Anderson was the one that was in trouble. And, I, Jack, I like what he showed. I liked that he weathered the storm. It wasn't a walkover for him. He had to dig down. He had to think. I think it's a learning experience for him. I think he'll be better for it. But as I said before the fight, though, Jack, he is in a no-win position. If he would have defeated Martin in three rounds, everybody would be saying today, Martin's no good, lost to all the good guys he fought. And now since he went rounds, now, well, we got to reevate. Anderson. Anderson is only 23. He's only had 15 fights. There's a long way to go. It's not a deep division. And like, you know, I, I know Russell talked he talked about Tillis and Tyson and how people were down on Tyson. But we're all prisoners of the moment. Let's see the guy progress. I think he has potential. I think he'll be a belt holder. Do I think he's going to be the next great heavyweight? No, I don't. But I'm not ready to write him off. He did kind of what I expected. You know, Frank, in boxing, offense and defense go hand in hand. And if we're to split up Anderson in this fight, offensively, he was fine. He didn't get the KO, but he was chasing after Martin. His left jab was working well. He was trying to put together combinations. Martin was defensive a good amount of the time. And then Martin would suddenly attack. But he showed he was very hittable. I mean, his chin, you know, I'm not down on his chin. He got rocked a few times, but he re recovered very quickly. Yeah, he was never mentioned. close to going. Uh, yeah, but he was holding on. You know, he was, he was buzzed. He was buzzed. But, but, okay, but you're, you're saying this was a really good Charles Martin that showed up. And I'm not saying it wasn't, but wait a second. You mean there wasn't a good Charles Martin that showed up against Anthony Joshua and got stopped in two rounds? There wasn't a good Charles Martin who showed up against Adam Konaki. And I was ringside. Martin gave it his best. Konaki he gave a good Martin fight. Decisively. But Konaki won decisively. And you figure Anderson should be miles ahead of that Konaki, not the one that lost a few fights, the one that was a better fighter a while back. And also against ancient Luis Ortiz, Martin was great dominating. But the bottom line is Ortiz was able to catch Martin. Maybe Martin was a lot more bold because he was dominating against Ortiz. Yeah, listen, I'll say it again. I think Jared Anderson is going to win a version of the heavyweight title at some point. Okay? But is he the future of the heavyweight division? Is he the, is he, is he the next Riddick Bowe, for example? And I'm going to say no. And some of it, Frank, has to do with attitude. A big red flag is the way he's talking about retiring already. He's not I don't like that either. No, I don't that like that. Big red flag. Remember what Customato said. He said once a fighter starts talking about retiring, he's he already has. The fighter's motivation isn't there to be great anymore. Jack, I can't dispute with much of what you say. All I can say is this. I think it's early to write him off. And I really do think that he fought a better Charles Martin than Konaki did. I really do. Look, 
Joshua was just a level above all of those those guys. So that's why he got him out of there the way he did in two rounds. Joshua was a bigger puncher than Joshua Martin is. A novice at the time himself, he didn't have many fights. But but Jack Joshua, but Joshua is an elite talent. Until Joshua's chin got checked and he lost his gumption, he I thought he was going to be the future of the division. So you just is supposed to be an elite talent, Frank. That's what Jack, we've been talking about. Because well, who else out there? How many guys are out there that good? I'm going to ask you now this, okay? Point blank, the two heavyweights, who is who has a better future going forward? And I'm not sure the answer myself. So don't throw it back at me because I don't know what to say. Frank Sanchez or Anderson? I would say because of the age factor, probably Anderson, but I don't think that's a given. But, Jack, back to what I was saying, though. The kids had 14, now 15 fights. As Joe Bergman's pointed out, he was fighting a southpaw. There's not many of them in the heavyweight division. They are hard to figure out. And, Jack, you, you remember this. You remember when Cassius Clay looked terrible against Doug Jones and Henry Cooper? Nobody thought he was going to, going to be great. How about George Foreman? Extended by Gregorio Peralta the distance, and then he went 10 rounds with him again, and people wrote Foreman off. And how about Joe Frazier after Bonavina in his 12th fight? And Joe Lewis after he got stopped by Schmeling? They always do that. They're prisoners of the moment. Frank, okay. Frank. Charles Martin was not as good as Doug Jones. Charles Martin is not as good as Henry Cooper. He wasn't as good as Gregoria Perelt, and he's certainly not in Max Schmeling's class. So no, he's not in Schmeling's class, Jack. But the other guys were undersized heavyweights, and 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 they were a, a, a threat to everyone. The title, and they ever, they know, never I'm did. I don't know if they're miles ahead of Martin. I think. Jared I think Anderson Jack. Let me finish. I think Martin. Jack, I, when I watch Martin, I think there's some talent there. I just don't think he's ever had a real trainer. But I think there is some talent there. Okay? And he fought a smart fight by extending Anderson, wanting to get him past the fourth round. And that's when he started to box a little bit better. And that's when we saw Anderson have to dig back and rely on more than just talent and had to box his way out of a situation. We both agree Anderson has the physical ability to go far. Maybe be maybe an outstanding heavyweight champion, okay? Win the title and have an outstanding reign as heavyweight champion. I think we both agree on that. Physically, it's there. I question his overall attitude and mental toughness, not inside the ring necessarily, but the whole attitude thing, like we touched upon a moment ago, He's talking about retiring and for him to say how glad he was, he wanted it to go to 10 rounds. That's a guy in denial. Stop Martin in round eight, nine or 10. Stop him late in the fight. Show you. Yeah, I don't believe he, I don't believe he means that. I think he wanted the impressive stoppage. He just wasn't able to get it. And again, I think his inexperience played a big part. And I also think that he got, Martin on a night where he knew his career was on the line and he fought for it. I mean, Charles Martin, I kind of I kind of feel bad for him, Jack, because he's going to be written off. But I think he deserves another payday because, you know what? I think he hung in there a better than I expected. And I think he was written off. And the fact that he was willing to take the fight on 11 or 12 days notice, he was already training. I mean, let's give him that. And let's just say, look, if I was managing Anderson, I did I see things that worry me a little bit? Yes. But aside from him talking about the retirement, I don't like that. The other things are, are correctable. And look, as Benton would say, Win this one, we'll look good in the next one. He's only 23, Jack. There's a long way for him to go down there. And it's on a track that's not really that fast today. If you if you cut out the top two or three guys, the heavyweight division is not a fast track. We don't want to spend the whole show on, on, on Jared Anderson, but let me ask you this. You're managing him. Uh, what's acceptable, not managing him for his career, evaluating his career, going forward the rest of the year, 
does he not have to fight a name heavyweight before the year's up? What I think he does. Are you going to give him a pushover the next fight or the fight after? I don't no. hear where, yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? A Luis Ortiz type? That would, you know what? I would probably take that fight if it was offered, but you know what? That's not Otto what I look Wallen. for. Otto Wallen. Otto Wallen. Another difficult guy, but yes, I would take that fight. Okay. Outside, I don't know if I would let him fight Sanchez yet, but if I'm offered the fight, I might take it, Jack. I, I think the kid's going to learn from this fight, and, I, and, I, and I'm interested to see how he progresses. I'm definitely not writing him off. Again, he has the talent. He has the ability. We got to test, see what he has inside. But as I said before the fight, here's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see him in a two-way fight where it went his way and he had to dig down. And look, he did. Is Charles Martin great? No. But he did win a belt kind of in a freaky way, but he still made it to that level. That I was at that fight in the Barclays Center. I forgot the name of his opponent. It was laughable. That was called a world title fight. And his oh, I agree with that. But, Jack, fight. but he also had Ortiz down. He okay? Did. He that, that's, I mean, I know Ortiz has been down. Uh, I'm sorry. Ruiz had him down and Wilder had him down. Yeah. But he at least showed that his okay. power is legit. Okay, no, let me get this. Okay, so you're not writing off Jared Anderson. I'm not writing him off either. Let me make that clear. I do think he's going to win a version of the title when all said and done. Uh, the question is how good a champion he's going to be. But you wrote off Anthony Joshua, and he's back in the news. He, it looks like he's going to be fighting Dillian White again. I hate that fight being made. It's a rematch of when they fought about seven years ago. No interest. 2015. Yeah, no interest I have in that fight at all. To me, it's an exhibition to see how good Joshua is going to look. Heaven forbid Joshua loses. He's done, basically, even though you're never technically done in boxing. But they want to get it. Imagine Joshua wins a decision over a Dillian White, who's no longer durable, and Joshua stopped him in seven rounds back in if, the day. And Joshua, does he have a lot left? Jack, if I was advising Dillian White, I would tell him in the first round, go out there and empty the wagon and hit him and put the fear of put the fear of him and get his head where he's second-guessing himself, where he's worried about getting knocked out, I would go out there and I'd say, I have nothing to lose. I'm not going to fight much longer, but if I win this fight, I'm back in the money. I would go after him like a wounded animal. And when you say, I'm writing Joshua off and not Anderson, Jack, there's a big difference. Joshua's been to the mountaintop, and he has been exposed at the highest level. I mean, as you just said, he's fighting a guy who he stopped eight years ago what does this fight give us what does it do for him so he's going to beat a guy maybe less impressively who he beat eight years ago anthony joshua has it here i don't think he has it here where i'm not going to go there with jared anderson because we haven't seen that yet so to me that's the difference somebody said to me the other day well frank would you still put anderson on the list of guys that could beat joshua jack you know what Based on what I saw the other night, I would pick Joshua to beat Anderson if they fought. Well, but you know well, what? But I have an idea, Frank. I wouldn't bet on that. I wouldn't bet on that. Frank, I have the match for Jared Anderson, and it's a good match, too. The guy who fought Joshua and Dillian White in their last fights, Jermaine, Jermaine Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, I mean, he's... I would, pick, I would pick Anderson to beat I him. I would pick Anderson to beat him. But too. that would be a good fight. That would be a nice forward. test. And if he stopped Franklin, something that Joshua and White didn't do. All of a sudden, the buzz surrounding Anderson is back. I'm going to say that someone compared, I saw on social media, Anderson to Edgar Belanga. He's better than Belanga. Belanga yes. is a good, solid fighter. He's just never going to be an elite fighter. Anderson has the tools to be elite. Our buddy Lehman Paul, he said he reminded him of Obed Sullivan. I don't see that. No, he's miles ahead of Obed. No, Sullivan. I he's think so, too. And, and I had another yeah. friend that said he, he thought he reminded him of Carl Williams a little bit. Uh, they uh, both have a good jab, potential. Back, 
if you want a comparison, which is downplaying Jared Anderson, you can maybe say Greg Page. You could go along maybe that example because uh, Greg Page. I think that's a compliment season. to Anderson because Greg Page was a highly touted, skilled guy. That his problem was he ate too much and didn't like to train. Uh, and the same with Tony Tubbs. They, they never quite took it to the next level, even though they won versions. That whole generation of the 80s heavyweight. Tubbs, Page, yeah. Dokes, yeah. Witherspoon, yeah. all those guys. Oh, oh, Frank, there was another fight this weekend. I don't know whether you saw it. I saw a woman's fight. Savannah Marshall against uh, Famish John Cruz. Savannah Marshall, best known for losing a close decision to Clarissa Shields in a terrific fight, you know, not that long ago. It, apparently, they're going to have a rematch that Savannah Marshall holds the women's belts. And, le and let's be honest about it. Women's boxing, the belts are kind of a little out of whack. There's not as much competition to go around. But Clarissa Shields says she'll do the rematch with Savannah Marshall, but this time it can't be in the U.K., it has to be in the United States. The problem is, if it's in the United States, it doesn't draw. Clarissa no, they have to Shields put it under a big fight. Clarissa Shields doesn't draw. She's a wonderful <clears throat> fighter, good-looking girl, but you know, she just talks in a way that turns people. She's off. hard to like. She's hard to like. I'm she trying is. to like her. I'm trying to like her because underneath all that, she might have a very good heart. She might be a very good person who just doesn't express herself the right way. But you said it best, she's hard to like. So she's not an attraction here right now. And a match with Savannah Marshall, a rematch, wouldn't have that much interest. Shields won a hard-fought decision the first time around. It looked like Savannah Marshall has regressed a little in the last fight. I had it scored a draw as did one of the judges. Now, it was Even close for the first six rounds, and then did Marshall pull away at the end this weekend? Now, that was the talk, but it depends what you like. Marshall was landing the cleaner punches over the last few rounds, but she was getting outworked, it seemed. She was just fighting these little stretches. That's why I always had a hard time, Frank, judging a Muhammad Ali fight. You want to know why? Ali would do nothing for most of the round, and then he would put together his patented flurries, bing, 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 and everyone would get excited and he, score the round. And he would look Ali. like he was killing the guy and controlling the fight. And I wouldn't score the rounds for Ali, and people would tell me, you don't know what you're talking about. Like the, his second fight with Floyd Patterson, Ali did virtually nothing until the until the end. Right, yep. yet I'm seeing these scores like 5-2 Ali, 6-1 Ali, and I'm thinking, what am I missing here? Ali had that ring jarship that no matter what was going on, he always looked like he was in control. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah even, if the other guy was, even if the other guy was punching. Jack, there's some other news in the heavyweight division. There's talk about Wilder and Ruiz, and like every other fighter that's ranked today, they're fighting about purse. I think that they offered Ruiz 25 to 75, and Ruiz laughed at it. He wants 50-50 and a rematch clause in the contract. Now, I don't know if he deserves that, but you know what? He should, If he gets 40%, that's fair. Let's face it. Wilder's the bigger draw. He has fair. the better resume. Uh, I could see 65-35. And the only reason to give Ruiz 40% would be because he's in demand. Wilder should want to fight him badly. Wilder will knock out Ruiz in one round. He will stretch him. He will, he will destroy him quick and decisively. And when Ruiz gets up from the mat, there's a good chance he'll have a smile on his face because Ruiz is just cashing out the rest of his career. He's a fighter who got Jack, you think he, I don't know if he knocks him out in one round. And he better not get caught by Ruiz because I think Ruiz can hurt him. But you talk about Ruiz only gets 35%. I hate to argue fighters' percentage, Jack, but let's face it. Of the two of them, Ruiz has the more impressive win than Deontay Wilder does. Because Deontay I Wilder... Ruiz's resume to Wilder. Wilder has a long body of work. Again, Jack... Andy Ruiz knocked out undefeated unified champ Anthony Joshua in four or, or seven rounds. Wilder has nothing like that on his resume. Okay, he is best known for losing to 
Tyson Fury twice, and I think three times. So if we're just going to go by that, you can make a case. Ruiz has a little bit better claim to being the champ than Waller did, and he has the bigger win. Ruiz had one But Waller's going to be the draw, Jack. He's going to be the A-side. But if I'm Ruiz, I want at least 40%, and I would probably fight for 45 I, I wouldn't. I, what has Wilder done? What has Wilder done since he fought Tyson Fury? Well, what's Ruiz done? Ruiz had this. Ruiz lost a rematch to Joshua. Then he went into hibernation, and he comes out against ancient Luis Ortiz and ekes out a close decision against Luis Ortiz, who has very okay, but that, so so, and, but that Josh, but and. and Wilder stopped Ortiz twice when Ortiz was good. But he was losing. Well, he was old in those fights too, but he was losing both of those fights no, no, before he stopped them. Not the first fight. I, he was a little ahead, I think, Wilder. Not but, but he was in the fight. But the that's bottom line is they right. both beat him. But that's, Jack, but that's Wilder's best win. Six rounds in the ring. Jack, that's Wilder's best win. Ruiz not only beat Ortiz, but he beat Anthony Joshua too. Wilder did everything in his power years ago to try to fight Anthony Joshua. Everything in his power. You know, it wasn't his fault it didn't take place. Joshua, through his promoter, Eddie Hearn, ducked Wilder at that time. They ducked him, okay? Point blank. And yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I buy that because I, I, I'm not sure either side was sincere. And remember, Wilder was ready to go to Russia to fight Povetkin in Russia. When and Povetkin failed the drug test. And then Povetkin failed the drug test. Wilder showed his intestinal fortitude, ready to go over there, and he took on the challenge of fury. I'm not going to question his, his gumption, Jack. Wilder is a real fighter. I will give him that. All I'm saying is this. I think Ruiz has a case for 40 or 45%. 25% is an insult, and that's basically saying you don't want the fight when you offer somebody that. And speaking of that, we have that same situation going on with Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson because Haney's people offered a 75-25 split, and Shakur Stevenson said, no, I know I'm not the A-side, but I'm not going to take that. And you know what? He's smart, and I think Haney's people knew he wouldn't take it, but they wanted to take the play away that they were afraid of him or avoiding the Lomachenko rematch. And I also saw where Shakur Stevenson said he would like to fight Lomachenko, and he don't care that there's a, no belt on the line. Oh, well, Lomachenko's the only elite fighter who I could see stepping up and fighting Stevenson. I think if Stevenson accepted the 25%, Haney's people wouldn't go through with the fight. I think it's all a bluff. It's all a smoke screen. You think it's the Ortiz or the Usyk Fury thing? Right, exactly. Listen, something like that happened a lot of years ago, too, mm. where sometimes a fight calls someone's bluff. When Ken, Ken Norton was offered $200,000 to fight Leon Spinks for the title, Bob Arum wanted the Ollie rematch. He didn't want Norton, who was a mandatory, to fight Spinks. So he offered them 200000 which seemed minimally reasonable, but something that Norton would come back at and turn down and want to negotiate more because he was being underpaid. But Norton just accepted it point blank. I'll give you a better one. Are you ready for this? Never, I know you forgot. It never took place, by the way. I'll give you one where, they, where a guy bluffed and the other guy took it. Then the guy that threw the money out was a week old go seven days later. Floyd Mayweather offered Winky Wright 25% to meet in a catchway fight. And Winky Wright said, okay. They never fought. He said, Floyd disappeared after that. He never thought Winky would go for it. That was in 2005, right after Mayweather beat Gotti. And I forget who Winky Wright beat, but they were talking about those two fighting. And Floyd threw out some ridiculous number. And Winky Wright said, okay. And... Floyd said, no way. Yeah. Another Floyd, heavyweight yeah. issue, Jack. Yeah. The world champion, Tyson, the fraud fury. And the more I think about this guy, the more I get upset. I look at his resume and I say to myself, this guy beat Chisora, a shop warm white, 
an old Klitschko, even though, look, he did end the Klitschko reign, and he's beat Wilder. What kind of resume is that? And now he's stringing everybody along. He, there's only one fight people care about, and that is him fighting Usyk. But instead, he's going to do an exhibition with Francis Nagahu, okay, who's the UFC heavyweight champ, okay? And there's only one fight for him, and that's against John Jones. But these two guys are going to dupe the public. They're going to make a ton of money. And nobody is going to get what they want. Combat sports is becoming a joke with these exhibitions. And, Jack, guess who I blame for that? Thank you, Mayweather, okay? Thank you, Mayweather, because he found that he figured out another way to gouge the public, and all the other fighters are taking his lead. You don't blame the Jake Paul effect more so? Jake Paul wasn't around until Mayweather actually started it, so I blame well, what Mayweather. Is Fury, what is Fury's motivation to do this? I mean, I can't imagine him really being scared of you, sick. I mean, Fury's an outstanding fighter. I would, and he's much bigger than Usyk. I would think Fury in his own head feels he would genuinely beat Usyk, that he could handle Jack, him. I think that too, but maybe he just doesn't want to go through that work knowing the guy's a really good boxer and in great shape. I said what you said all along, but why is he doing this? Because he can beat up Nagahu for probably four times more money, and there's no chance he can lose. There is a chance he could lose to Usyk, but the bottom line is Tyson Fury is a joke and he is an embarrassment. I used to like him. I think he's a hard matchup for a lot of guys, but I think he's really hurting the sport and I, I find it very hard to take him serious. I think you're going to see by next year Tyson Fury in a very big fight, maybe against Anthony Joshua, assuming Joshua beats Dillian White, which he absolutely should, unless Joshua really unravels, and then it's done. I could see Eddie Hearn willing to do that business in the UK, and I think Frank Warren and Bob Arum are exasperated behind the scenes with Fury. That would be my guess, okay? Because they're promoters. They want to make money. They want to do business. They don't want to hear the talk. So I can see both sides maybe coming together for that fight because it would be massive in England, like ninety thousand right. in the crowd, and it would be and it and even here in the United States it would be considered like a major. But Joshua fight. has to be Dillian White for that to come to fruition. Yeah, and you know what, Jack? Not a given. That's a an intriguing match. Joe Joyce with Zhang, you know, in September, the guy who stopped him. I think Joe Joyce reverses the defeat. I think he wins the rematch. And I'm going to tell you, if they didn't stop the first fight because of Joe Joyce's eye, I'm not so sure Joe, Joe Joyce wouldn't have come on and won the fight because Zhang seemed to be getting tired. You know, big guy. So, you know that kudos to Joe well, Joyce. Jack, right now we disagree on that. So that'll be fun because from what I saw of that fight, Joe Joyce Never bothered Zhang with one punch. He had no answer for his left hand. What is going to change in five months? Joyce is slow. He's there to be hit. He's not a good boxer. He's not really a good puncher. Right now, I'm thinking it's the repeat of the first fight because Joyce showed me nothing in that fight where he has what it takes to turn it around, especially offensively. Yeah, isn't it sad, Frank, about the heavyweight division? It should be the glamour division. And right now, because Tyson Fury is holding up traffic, it's like, who cares? I mean, we have a super fight in the heavyweight division. Fury and Usyk, it'll breathe such great life. Jack, there's great matchups. There's actually great matchups in this division. Think about it. Wilder and, and Joshua. Joshua and Fury. There, there's play, and, and then you have Usyk against Wilder. Usyk against Fury, and there's, you know, you got Sanchez coming up, Anderson, there's a, there's a lot going on, there's a lot, and then I forget the guy's name, Jack, but who's the guy that fought on the undercard, the big Canadian guy that knocked out the guy from, who was he from, Uganda, Opete, I, I see, I, I can't, I'm not good with these foreigners' names, but do you know the fight I'm talking about? It was right, it was the heavyweight fight before... Anderson fought. 
Yeah, I'm having. A I can't even say the guy's name. Eat up and some top, time, Jack. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, top rank signed the Olympic gold medalist. Uh, how do you say his name? Jalalov, who's already been fighting pro. I, you know, right. I don't go crazy because a guy won a gold medal. I, I know that. No, it does. It's not like it used to be. A big case, Foreman, Frazier, gold medalist. The Oscar De La Hoya, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, Floyd Patterson. It was a springboard to great things. Now a gold medal. You know, it's Olympic boxing doesn't have the same buzz as before. No. And okay. it used to be that those guys would get, you know, those okay. guys would pan out. Frank, I just want to get I just want to get back to the topic. Of Shakur Stevenson and Devin Hayes. Let me let, uh, let me just mention the guys. It's Arslan Beck, Makhmadouf, 16-0. He beat Raphael Akrajuri, who was 15-0 going in. And this guy, Makhmadouf, he's like 6'8". I saw, I've heard what John Scully says. He's seen him in Canada train. He's a real hard worker, and he thinks one day he will be a title holder. Okay. And they might have made that fight if against Anderson if Anderson would have looked better. Frank, Charles Martin was a title holder, so maybe he'll get up to that level. But kudos to Charles Martin. He, you know, he exposed Anderson to a degree, but we're, we're moving on from that. But getting back to Shakur Stevenson, what would be a fair purse with Devin Haney? If Devin Haney, Devin Haney has the leverage to me. Keep this in mind, Frank. Shakur Stevenson hasn't truly fought a big name. He really hasn't. Uh, but Devin Haney was the one who already took the gamble. I wouldn't have done it. He went to Australia to fight George Cambosis coming off Twice. the Fima Lopez win. And he agreed to a rematch clause in Australia. He gave, in other words, he bet on himself to win twice in hostile territory. Yep. And then after that, Close fight with Lomachenko, but the bottom line is he does he did add that big name Lomachenko to his record. So his resume is much greater than Shakur Stevenson's at this. Jack, point. I don't know what the purse should be. I just know that Haney will get more of it. But if I had to pick who's going to be the bigger star down the road and the greater fighter and who will make more money in their career, it will be Shakur Stevenson. And I agree, Frank, but he's got to force the issue. No one wants to fight Shakur Stevenson. No one. He can sit it out and wait. No reward. No one wants to yep, fight him. You're right. But his time will come. Him. No, no, but, but it might not come for years. No. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Within a year, Jack will have one of, the world, one of the lightweight belts. Big deal. Big deal. And he'll get it against. No name opposition as far as the public is concerned. It won't mean anything. Shakur Stevenson can fight three times a year against moderate opposition. Keep beating him. Keep looking good. No one's going to care. Now, Jack, he had, his fights are big on ESPN. He does a big number. The, one of those top guys are going to have to address him. Let's, we have a couple other things we have to get to, though, also. Canelo, did you hear he's fighting Charlo? Yeah, in oh, September. Yeah. The Charlos. Can you can you imagine the night of the fight? I mean, the Charlos look alike. Jamal is training, and they pull a scam, and he shows up. He's getting ready for Jamal. You know, uh, Jamal Charlo. My thoughts are with him, Jamal, the one not taking the fight, because right. to be an actor for two years and have the opportunity to fight Canelo. Everyone wants to fight Canelo. He's the cash cow. And he, he provides such a great opportunity if you beat him, you would think. But for him to bypass that fight, he, he got, he's got to be troubled in some way. And his, Right, and his brother gets it. And How about Jamel, that? Jamel gets yes, the, light, the, the, super, light, super, uh, the junior middleweight champ. Right. Instead uh, of fighting Tim Zhu, he's going to fight Canelo, and I've seen some guys say that's a duck, and I want to say, are you out of your mind? Are no, you, you crazy? You have the chance. No, no. Absolutely. More money, but it's a tougher fight. Is it winnable? Perhaps, but it's much more money. He keeps his super, um, his junior middleweight belts. 
It's a win-win for him all the way around. He can't lose. So I don't want to hear that he's ducking Tim Zhu. He owes Tim Zhu nothing. Charlo has cleaned out that division, and wait, now wait, he's wait, going wait, to make wait, the wait, money. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. He doesn't. He'll owe him something later on. He'll owe Tim Zhu to fight, basically. Okay, fine. Uh, because if he beats Canelo, I don't know whether there's a rematch clause in this. Uh, and I hate these automatic rematch clauses. But if if there's no rematch, and let's say Charlo beats Canelo, which is a possibility, even though he's a light middleweight, he's skillful enough. It wouldn't be a shot. He's getting him at the right time. If Jamel Charlo won the fight. I'm not saying who I'm picking, Frank. I'm going to reserve judgment on that, uh, uh, even though Canelo is going to be favored. But then if he beats Canelo and there's no rematch, and Tim Zhu says, I'm, I want to fight you with your weight. I think that's a fight that absolutely should be revisited. I kind of feel he owes it. Tim Zhu's been patient, hounding Jack, up. there's just too, too much, too many hypotheticals on. there because we have to go through if he beats Canelo and then what does he do? All I know is this. Right now, today, July 3rd, 2023, Jamel Charlo owes Tim Zhu nothing. He's cleaned out the division and now he's fighting for his future and the well-being of his family financially he has to take that fight tim zoo is just going to have to wait that's just the way it goes uh, but i have an issue with canelo though jack don't you it's like canelo has benavides out there that's who he should be fighting well, benavides. if he beats charlo he has two more fights with the pbc and benavides is with the pbc so that i'll tell you what the perfect way the perfect way for charlo or i'm sorry canelo to go out and people would shut up. He has to go out beating Jamal Charlo and Benavides at the end. And nobody can say anything. But right now, as much as I think Canelo gets picked on a little bit too much, there is justification picking on him here because he's picking on a guy. Two weight classes blow him. And I don't want to hear that Canelo fought at Junior Miller. Yes, he did. But we know he barely made those weights. It was a life and death struggle. He's clearly the bigger guy. It's like this is not the fight people want to see. They want to see him in there with Benavides. And that's not happening. Frank, there's an intriguing fight in the super middleweight division they've talked about. I don't know will it come off. Ben David Benavides keeps claiming, well, Canelo is ducking him. Against well, Morel? Morel wants to fight, you know, uh, Benavides. That's a super matchup. Okay? It is. If I'm Benavides, I'm a little annoyed. Yeah. Because I'm knocking at the door, and now before David I can get Morel, Canelo again. He's a, he's a beast in his own right. You're right. And if I'm Benavides, I'm annoyed because it's like I've done everything I could to earn the fight with Canelo. Now I got to knock off another up-and-coming skilled Thank guy you, just to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this. Let fighters force the issue, Frank. Force the what issue more can Benavides do, Jack? He's anyone. already in position. Him, what do you mean? Him All him he can do is beat everybody. Now he's got to wait for Canelo. <laughs> Let him fight Morrell. Let him do it. And then if he beats Morrell, Canelo's going to say, we well, got to beat this guy now. No, wait, listen. You take the best fights out there. Keep taking them. The public sees stuff after. While the public could be gullible, but they see when a guy is stepping up and fighting the best fighters. Why, for example, we took heavyweights a, a moment ago. Usyk is more respected than Tyson Fury. If you ask people who would win a fight between Fury and Usyk, probably the majority would lean towards Fury. But if you ask them who they respect more as a fighter, They'll it would be Usyk because he's willing. He's willing. Same thing with Lomachenko. They'll Lomachenko. go on the road. They don't care. They'll fight anybody. Right. That's why I was thinking with Shakur Stevenson, take the fight with Devin Haney. If it's a 70-30 split the first fight, fight him, beat him. Now you're in a commanding position. You don't sign a rematch clause where the next fight, it's going to be 65-35 to Haney. I can understand that. You're not signing to beat Haney twice. That could be well, a I'm Stevenson. I'm not taking 25%. I still think like well, they all do. Gonna up, listen, he's going to wind up with about as much fanfare, Frank, then as your boy, Jaron Ennis. He's fighting Jack, this weekend. I know. Jack. Luke's Ennis. 
Stevenson has Bob Aaron behind him. He'll get his shot. He'll be fine. Yes, two of the elite welterweights, and maybe you could make a case four of them are fighting this weekend. You have Stanios versus Virgil Ortiz and Jared Ennis versus Roman Villa, the guy that knocked off Ellis in the, the last fight, who they were building up to fight Ennis. I wish Ennis was fighting Ortiz. I think both favorites are going to win. I haven't seen enough of Stanios to really break it down, but I've seen a lot of Ortiz, and I think he's nine miles of bad road. So I, I think he's going to win because he's aggressive. He can punch. He lets his hands go. He's on you. So I'm going to go with Ortiz to win that. And again, I would pick Jaron Ennis to beat every welterweight in the world tonight except Terrence Crawford. Ortiz and if Crawford goes I'd still do it. Some insiders think Ortiz could actually lose this fight. He's not a lock. And keep this in mind, this fight was uh, postponed, you know, or canceled before because Ortiz had certain issues, unspecified issues. Right. Uh, you know, but now they've cleared up enough if they haven't disappeared completely for him to take the fight uh, Saturday. I've only seen Stanios fight one time, Jack, so I'm not going to say that I, I can really and, break yeah. him down and I have a read on how good he is. I saw him once. I, I'm confident that Ortiz is going to beat him, but I'm not, you know, if he if he didn't, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, Boots in us in a way also in his fight. We expect him to win Ruben Vila, but he's under a certain amount of pressure because he won a lackluster decision in his last fight, won decisively, but didn't create a buzz. He People were a little disappointed. They were looking to see a sensational fighter, and he turned in a ho-hum performance. If it happens again, we'll still be high on Boots' ability, but I think he really is under a certain amount of pressure to impress, to just win comfortably on points in a boring fight. It doesn't slow his career down, but he needs a jolt getting his name Jack, out. Jack, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, okay? Name one great fighter that didn't have a stinker or maybe even his champ had a couple stinkers that went on that'd be great. Now, you talk about Ennis not having a great night a great night in his last fight, but he did dominate. He just didn't get the knockout. But every great fighter that we can think of, Sugar Ray Leonard had nights like that. Hearns had a couple fights like that. You watch him fight Alfonso Heyman, and you're sitting there saying, like, this guy's going to be the future of the division. All the greats have those kind of nights on the way up. I'm not going to judge Ennis on one fight against a know, difficult I'm guy. Saying, no, I'm not saying we're judging him on how good he is. My opinion of him wasn't any less based, you know, on his last fight. You know, he didn't display any weaknesses. He just didn't show a lot of spark. And it's this is about public perception, forcing the issue. The average, you and I are not the average boxing fans, Frank. I mean, we're hardcore boxing fans. Most of the people who pay for fights are the average boxing fans. They're not the hardcore. And all they fans. understand are knockouts. Right, right, whatever. Well, not necessarily that, but they, yeah, they want that. Or if family. you see a guy that looks like Roy Jones want, or Leonard. They, right, that's what you're looking for with uh, Boots Ennis. He, he potentially, he, you know, could do some great things. He, he might become an all-time great for all we know. You, you know, I'm not discounting that. Uh, but okay. you want him to sh you want him to show some real spark, get people to talk, talking about him. Wow, I think Boots Ennis could beat Crawford and Spence. You want the average fan to say that if he wins a lackluster decision, he doesn't put any pressure on Crawford. And think and about that, Jack. Before his last fight, there were people out there, and I know them, and you know them too, where they said they would pick him over Crawford and Spence right now. Then he goes the distance, and all of a sudden that changes. Uh, well, yeah, that sometimes it's a certain perception. Okay, well, that's it. I mean, one fight sometimes could change it, but it's left. But two fights in a row, if he looks lackluster, that now, would that would be a little bit of a, that would be something to look at. But I, yeah, I think yeah, he'll be that's what I mean. okay. One fight, Jack, I, one, I, yeah. I remember when Douglas beat Tyson. 
And I was talking to Bert Sugar a couple weeks before Douglas fought Holyfield. And I said, and I and we were talking, who do you like in a fight? And he said, I like this is Bert Sugar. He said, I like Douglas. I said, wow. really? And he goes, well, he just beat Tyson. I says, so you mean to tell me that Douglas has had 35 fights and based on one fight, you think that's who he really is other than being the guy who he was in the other 34 fights? I said, I still, I think he's the guy of the other 34 fights. I think it's an anomaly he beat Tyson and I think Holyfield is a different animal and I think Holyfield's going to take him out and Burton picks him. I just want to say something. Kudos to Angelo Dundee. I remembered when Tyson was de unbeaten, demolishing everyone. He was a guest on a radio show and a fan called up. There's no one who could give him any competition. He's hoping someone give him a fight. And Angelo Dundee on his own mentioned Razor Ruddick and Buster Douglas are going to give Tyson very hard fights. And Ruddick did. And we and then Douglas beat Douglas. him. Yeah, on that. Angela uh, would take a stab at uh, things uh, like that. Jack. You know, we stopped doing anniversary fights. Yesterday, Frank, was a 50-year anniversary. You'll know the fight. Smoking Joe Frazier and Joe Bugner. Joe His last Boston. fight with Yank it. Durham. In, in England, yeah. His and, last fight with Yank Durham. Right, yeah. yeah. Yank Durham died six weeks later. Yeah, tragically. And, and Durham meant a lot to Frazier, you know, what he did in his whole career. He obviously. created him, Jack. He was the architect of his style. And he told him, if, you ever, if you're ever going to be the champ, you're going to have to beat Ali. And to beat him, there's a way to beat him. And that's how you have to fight. And it actually helped. And you're built to fight that fight. So that history we know. Jack, there's one other thing we have to discuss. And I think it's pretty big news. As most boxing fans, I think, follow other sports, and they all know that ESPN had some big layoffs oh, this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they laid off a lot of talent. Well, two of their marquee boxing guys were let go in Max Kellerman and Andre Ward, but yet Timothy Bradley will still be on ESPN, and he will be the voice of boxing on ESPN. I'm not happy about that, and I just can't imagine how many more new terms we are going to be introduced to in the next year with Bradley's BS coming up with all this hop pivot and stab jab and all these things, and I'm not happy about that. But let me just say this. I think ESPN did this for a reason. I think they look at Andre Ward and they say he might be the actually more – intelligent articulate guy but bradley talks to the young kids and his way of framing things with his catchphrases and his moniker i think they know that is what is in with the young people today i think that's why he had a leg up on andre ward and let me just say one other thing i don't know if you saw this or not but before the martin anderson fight Timothy Bradley brought out a yodel or some kind of cake, and he compared Charles Martin to that, saying he's hard on the outside, soft in the inside. Jack, I think that was one of the most insulting things I have ever seen or heard a commentator do. And Timothy Bradley is a former fighter. He should know better than that. I lost all respect for him off of that. Let me tell you what, uh, I, I want to talk about all three. Let me just start off with Bradley. A while ago, he did something, said something, which turned me off to no end. He had to split up with his trainer, Joel Diaz, okay? He basically fired Joel Diaz, was with him for about a dozen years, who took him all the way up. And he was I know what you're going to say. Right, with Teddy Atlas, who I hold in high, very high regard. And Timmy Bradley said, I learned more in three days with Teddy Atlas than I did in all my years with Joel Diaz. You don't say Not, that publicly. Even, even if you feel that way. Yeah, you, you don't, don't say, say it. It's an ultimate insult. But ironically, Timmy Bradley, when he got inducted in the Hall of Fame in Canastota recently, he says, oh, how I wish Joel Diaz was here, you know, for the journey we had together. But after he said what he did, I wanted to go public with an apology. Max Kellman, very quickly, one of the best, people I've ever met. He's genuine down to earth, one of the best 
people, period. But he's not the boxing commentator. He just says the max on boxing. And Andre Ward, very knowledgeable guy. I, I'm not, he's cold fish, Andre Ward. To he's a little him. hard to take in some he's realms. I agree with that. I've had personal dealings with them which haven't been positive, which I'll talk about another time, I guess, if you right. want to on the show. But you're, you make a great point, Frank, that I didn't even think about. Why stick with Bradley and not Andre Ward? Because I've always thought Andre Ward was the more solid commentator. You want to know why? I think so, Andre too. Andre Ward talks boxing. He talks it in the real sense. He doesn't talk lingo. Is it tries to entertain more. He, you know, like you're saying, young people, the hep thing, to act a certain way, showmanship. And, but isn't that what we have on the- In the, he has all his sayings, in the lab, going to the lab, and all, all these little, all this vernacular that tries to make him sound like one of the cool kids. And I think ESPN said, those guys are audience. We don't care about Frank Letirza or Jack, or Jack Hirsch. They're dinosaurs. They're not going to be around. They're not the future. They're not the consumer we're trying to get. And I think that's why Bradley had a leg up. But I am not looking forward to commentary on ESPN. And after what he did with that cupcake, I think I have no time for him. I will cut him no break. And if I ever saw him out, I would tell him to his face that was the most disrespectful thing i've ever seen a commentator do and the fact that you a former fighter an ex-world champion you should be ashamed of yourself yeah i'll tell you something like that as a former fighter too to uh and, and yeah. before the and fight with jack remember oh, before yeah, lopez no, wait a second the yodel had timmy bradley been white would that have had some extra implications yes I think people, I think so too. I think if a white guy said that, it would be a little bit worse. But you know what, Jack? When he said that, I never even thought of that. All I thought about is you just called this guy gutless. And the guy, he may not be gifted or great, but the guy never showed that he mailed it in. He got up against Ortiz. He had a tough fight with Kanaki. He had a tough fight with Ortiz. He didn't, and he gave it his all the other night. I just thought that was so insulting and that reminds me of something else do you remember uh a guy that watches a show who used to write for sweet science scott yaniga do you know him i don't know him personally he wrote for the sweet science and he sent me an article today that he wrote about and i had forgotten about this when floyd mayweather fought henry brussels do you know they were talking to mayweather during the fight about the upcoming games that that uh, Sunday, the next day, I think the Steelers were playing the Patriots and the Eagles were playing the Falcons. Yes, those were the two championship games because the Eagles beat the Falcons and the Patriots beat the Steelers and then the Patriots beat the Eagles back in the good old days in the Super Bowl. And it's like that was very disrespectful, too. But Bradley surpassed well, Lampley. Sometimes fighters do things disrespectful. For example, Roy Jones playing basketball before fighting Brian Brannon, you know, in the title defense in New York, playing basketball early in the day to let everyone know, you know, I could understand the gimmick part of it. But, but Jack, he didn't put Brian Brannon down. He elevated himself to saying, I'm so good, I can go and do something else and still beat you. But he didn't put him I down. Suppose. That, yeah. to me, that's the difference. Bradley called Charles Martin a coward. And I just don't expect that hear any fighter talk like that. You want to hear fans talk like that all the time? Every time a guy loses or gets knocked out, the fans will say the fans will say he's a coward. But a guy like Bradley on national air, and then to go out of his way to get the prop and get the cupcake and do it like to be some kind of a wise guy and you get a laugh at this guy's experience. And this guy here, he who knows what could happen in that fight? He could have got killed in that fight. How would he have thought if something happened like that? Now, Bradley is bad news. I am very down on him being the head guy at ESPN and the voice of boxing. And to me, Jack, I left ESPN a long time ago. To me, they are, they have nothing for me. Hey, uh, listen, I miss Teddy Atlas, okay? From on, I'll on go with team. that. And why did they get rid of him? Because he told it the way it was.
Okay, Frank, on that note, uh, nice conversation, really lively stuff. I'm ready to go at it with you. I have a rematch clause with you for next week. I'll be healthier next week, and this time next week we'll be talking about Ennis being the man. We shall see. Thanks for watching.